Did you know that watching me water this plant supports mental health? Watching me not work out today also helps. Mai, do you remember to buy the milk? Watching me realize that I did not get the milk is, is helping. Watching me vacuum supports mental health. Watching me nail this pot helps. Go! Watching me take this slap shot even helps. Top corner. Because today is Bell Let's Talk Day. And every time someone watches this video, Bell will donate five cents towards Canadian mental health initiatives. So thank you for watching and helping and sharing and watching and helping and watching. Bell Let's Talk is an awareness campaign created by one of Amdocs' biggest customers, Bell Canada, in an effort to raise awareness and combat stigma surrounding mental illness. The most prominent part of this initiative is Bell's Let's Talk Day, an annual one-day advertising campaign where money is donated to mental health funds based on the number of social media and communication interactions that include the branded hashtag Bell Let's Talk or its Canadian-French equivalent, Bell Cause. In this year's event, Let's Talk Day generated over 159 million messages and 42 million interactions on social media. The campaign has become a global phenomenon, with people around the world sharing their stories of both struggling with mental illness and taking action to support mental health in their communities. In fact, it's so successful that Bell Let's Talk has become the number one trending topic on Twitter, not just in Canada, but around the world. Now, our guest today is Mary Deacon. Mary is the chair of the Bell Let's Talk Mental Health Initiative ever since its conception in 2010. And Mary came to Bell Let's Talk after a long and successful career in the philanthropic sector including almost a decade as the inaugural president of the Centre for Addiction and Mental Health Foundation. Mary is a graduate of the University of Guelph and has received honorary doctorates from both her alma mater and Wilfrid Laurier University for her pivotal leadership role in Canadian philanthropy, most notably in the field of mental health. Now, Mary has also received the Queen Elizabeth II Diamond Jubilee Medal in 2012 and in 2019 was appointed to the Order of Canada. So welcome to The Great Indoors, a podcast designed to talk about technological advancements and societal change in these turbulent times. I'm your host, Matt Roberts, and joining me today is my producer and co-pilot, Larissa Yee. I'd like to welcome to The Great Indoors today, Mary Deacon. Mary. Welcome to The Great Indoors. Thank you very much, Matt. Uh, it's great for you to be here. And where are you enjoying The Great Indoors today? Where are you in the world? Well, I'm in Toronto and I'm in my home office. And um, yeah, that's where I am. Uh, the other question I like to ask guests, Mary, that, that, that come on to the, um, the show is what have you done since you've been at home to make working from home more comfortable? 
Mm -hmm. So when the pandemic started last March, you know, I probably, like many people, thought that it would last a few weeks. I'd be at home for a few weeks and then I'd be back at work. And uh, I simply set up a, you know, a card table in my living room, you know, started working there. And as time went on and as, you know, we got communications uh, from from our head, head office about the period of time that we knew we would be home, um, I realized that something had to change because there really was no divide between work and home. And I, I personally found that very, very difficult, you know, as a person who for the last 40 years have, you know, put on her big girl shoes and gone out the door every morning to work, to be in the same place, I found it quite challenging. I actually ended up moving to a bigger space where I could have a dedicated office with doors. One of the things that we really wanted to talk about today was the Bell Let's Talk initiative and program that you chair, right? And and it's such an enormous and impactful uh, program now and initiative. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about the program uh, and its origins? How did it begin as well? So that's a very interesting story. And I, I, I take you, I'll take you back to like 2007, quite literally. I was the president of Canada's largest mental health and addiction te teaching hospital foundation called the Center for Addiction and Mental Health. One of the things that I did in my role as president was recruit volunteers and board members who would help us with our task of raising money to support the mission of the hospital. And I was very, very fortunate indeed to meet the president of Bell. And when the time was right, he invited me to come to Bell to create what we now know of as Bell Let's Talk. And that was in January of 2010. And we truly started with a blank piece of paper. And I consulted with people all over the world people with lived experience, community leaders, to really understand where we could have an impact with our philanthropy. People had many different ideas of what needed to be done, and so much does need to be done. But there were two themes that seemed to permeate everybody's input, and, that, and, and they are stigma and difficulty accessing service. So when it came to constructing our strategy, we chose four pillars. One was anti-stigma. One was access to supports and services, workplace mental health, and research. Bell Let's Talk runs like a business unit in, in that respect, in that there's a lot of rigor, accountability, governance, oversight. In our four pillars and with our overall initiative, we have a very clear vision and strategy. And, but we really truly did start with a blank piece of paper back in 2010, conceived of what we now know of as Bell Let's Talk Day. And as of uh, Bell Let's Talk Day this year, 2021, our, 21st, our 11th anniversary, we have uh, now committed $121 million to Canadian mental health and counting. And that amount of money is as a direct result of people all over the world engaging in the mental health conversation on Bell Let's Talk Day. 
This year, we added an additional uh, almost $8 million, which is what brings it to $121 million okay. since our inception in 2010. And once again, uh, hashtag Bellets Talk was the number one trend on Twitter that day, as it has been for the last number of years. It's amazing. The numbers are, in, are, are really incredible. And where do these funds go? Just give me some examples, Mary, if you don't mind, where, where those funds are, uh, are designated to help uh, in this course. So they primarily go to the areas of access is number one. Research uh, is number two. Fundamentally, we support organizations in Canada, large and small, coast to coast to coast. Um, several years ago, we invested in the creation of a standard, a national standard to guide post-secondary institutions to support mentally healthy campuses. And we did that because we had heard from uh, campuses, universities, colleges all across the country about the increasing need and demand and pressures for mental health supports and services on their campuses. And each and every one of the, the universities and colleges was reinventing the wheel. This year, in the lead up to Bell Let's Talk Day, we announced a, a special fund to support those post-secondary institutions to implement and align their activities with the standard. Uh, we've received applications from universities and colleges all across the country, every province, every territory, to uh, help them implement, the, in effect, what would be considered best practices uh, in campus mental health. So that's just one example, uh, but there are so, so many more. Like We launched in the summer um, a diversity fund, $5 million incremental funding to support the mental health and well-being of diverse communities, BIPOC communities. We have supported already some amazing organizations like the Black Youth Helpline, Aboriginal Friendship Centers, you know, organizations truly that are on the front lines in their communities who know best what their communities need to deliver uh, culturally appropriate mental health supports and services. And I think there's another part to it as well. We talk about the funding that is raised as part of the initiative and as part of the day. And that's just for our listeners outside of Canada. That's for every tweet or every post on Instagram or Facebook with the hashtag Bell Let's Talk. Bell then contributes, is it five cents towards the initiative? It's five cents. Yes. So to give you a, uh, an indication, there were almost 160 million of these, wow. I call them messages of support on Bell Let's Talk Day 2021, and that broke last year's record. And there is, there have been, since we started with the first Bell Let's Talk Day in 2011, that was our first Bell Let's Talk Day, over 1 billion wow. messages, really wow. underscoring the importance of mental health and that mental health is an issue whose time has come. And, and that leads me perfectly into my next point, because this is obviously raising the money and appropriating the money to the causes that, that help 
um, address the issue is is key. But I think the secondary thing is the awareness that is raised mm -hmm. around the issue because of the campaign. Because I remember I came from the UK in 2016 to, to Canada to live. And I remember the first Bell uh, Let's Talk day. And it really made me see, I hadn't seen this before in the UK, such a cause that was was getting so much attention through all the channels. And it really made me sit up and, and, and pay attention to it. But it, it, it's certainly fair to say that the when you talked before about the stigma, the reduction in the stigma and the elevation of the awareness is, is as key to Bell Let's Talk as, as the funds, right? It absolutely is. And, I, and I'll tell you simply why. Stigma is the reason that the majority of people with mental health issues say they do not seek help. Yeah. So eradicating stigma is job one. Right, so that more people will feel comfortable and safe and okay to reach out for help and support. Because eradicating stigma is really all about our own behaviors and attitudes. And they are within our own ability to change. Yes. So the, the thrust with Bell Let's Talk Day for the first 10 years was about changing awareness and attitudes and taking action to create that kind of change. And based on the progress that has been made in terms of awareness, we looked at our strategy and we made a decision to put a greater emphasis on Bell Let's Talk Day, including stigma, to enlarge it, to be a focus on, on taking action to create positive change, to help create a Canada where everyone can get the mental health support they need. Now, that is a lofty vision but indeed a worthy one. Yes, there are many, many actions that you can take to help continue to eradicate stigma, to open up conversations, to make it safe to talk about mental health. But there are also things we can do as governments, corporations, and individuals to drive change that will have an impact overall in creating a society where everyone can get the help they need. And I think when you look at the, the stigma and some of the things that have gone into the campaign, I mean, it is incredible that, you know, this year there was a message from Justin Trudeau. You featured Michael Buble in the commercials, which were great, by the way. From a marketeer perspective, they were wonderful. We should put them on our website, Larissa, to support th this episode. But I think it's 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 been a really a galvanizing and, like you say, Canadian uh, event, right? And unless I'm mistaken... I don't see anywhere else in the world right now. Are you proud that this is that Canada is at the vanguard of addressing uh, this particular issue, Mary? I think Bell Let's Talk Day is, has not only become a national day of conversation, but a global day and the largest global conversation about mental health. I think that's something that Canadians can be very, very proud of leading the way in, in this effort. I'm optimistic that the movement will continue to grow because you know the mental health challenges with stigma, with access, are not unique to Canada. No, absolutely. And, and it leads me into my next question. You know, with, with COVID-19, with the pandemic, uh, in, the, in the last season, we had Dr. Victoria No from CUNY join the, the show. 
you know, literally, as her research was showing this second pandemic occurring globally in in mental health conditions, this is really the time where this should have much more of a global propulsion. There should be people sitting up in, in governments all over the world and addressing this particular issue. And you know, do you think the pandemic has played a part in propelling and elevating the, the whole Bell Let's Talk initiative? I think it has played a very important role in making mental health a higher priority. I think it's made people who may have not otherwise had experiences with depression, anxiety, uh, overwhelming stress, social isolation, have an understanding and appreciation for it, for mental health and mental illness that they didn't have before and helping to lead to, you know, an even larger movement in mental health, really trying to create what I consider parity between mental health and physical health. Because mental health is a common, treatable health issue. And the earlier that people get the help they need, the better the outcome. I've also seen our governments step up with more funding. So as indeed uh, great investments and, and action was taken with respect to actually fighting COVID on the front lines in hospitals, at the same time, I saw our, our governments, federally and provincially, investing in virtual mental health supports and services almost at the same time, which made me, I concluded from that, that they had a recognition of the duality of the impact of COVID on our lives, not only on our physical health, but our mental health. And, and a lot of those programs that governments have invested in, we also in, invested in. And uh, right at the outset of the pandemic, we invested $5 million with five of our partners who already had programs that were delivered online so that they could quickly pivot to be able to serve increased need. Uh, literally five million out the door in, in a matter of weeks to five Canadian organizations because you know the ability to adapt on a dime was what was going to help fill the gap. And my great hope is that when the pandemic is over, the investments that have been made in virtual mental health services will continue and face-to-face -face and in-person services will come back on stream. And then we will have even greater capacity in the system, which might go a significant way to closing the gap between the demand and the availability of services. My next question was going to be, do you think COVID has shined a light on this issue, as it has done with many other issues, you know, during the pandemic? And I think one of the things that we talked about a year ago, uh, when everything started, was even the WHO, the World Health Organization, identified the, the issue that this would have on mental health. And, and it amazed us in, in, in our industry that 
they were pointing out of things to alleviate mental health conditions was talking more on your telephone, was video conferencing. And it was right at the top of their infographic on things designed to you know, alleviate uh, any mental health conditions you may have. And, and like to your point, it was almost now, you know, if you've been in the industry as long as me, mobile phones were never seen as a something that would alleviate any condition. In fact, most of the time, people would be pointing at them as things that would cause <laughs> uh, any sort of condition. But they it almost became somewhat of a savior. I totally agree. I, you know, this has to continue beyond uh, you know, when when hopefully one day everything ends, then then this light that has been shined can, needs to continue to be shone, so um, we we can take this forward. Now, how do you think the the youth have been affected, particularly over the last twelve months? And Mary, the reason I asked that question is we did a podcast with a a, a youth expert who said, you know, I believe that the youth, i.e., people of the ages of thirteen up to eighteen have been really affected harder than anybody by this pandemic. Is that something that you you believe to be true as, from your perspective? I, I do believe it to be true. There's a lot of research to support the impact of, of COVID on mental health of young people, on older people, on healthcare workers, on people in the Black community. I mean, there's there's a lot of information. And, and in fact, I, there was a recent poll, there's a Canadian uh, Mental Health Research Canada organization, it's called Mental Health Research Canada, and they have uh, just released their fifth poll, tracking mental health indicators. They, our young people feel the least optimistic about bouncing back after COVID. The percent of young people who feel they are managing stress well before COVID, it was at 37%. You might say that's low to begin with. That's another topic. Only 26%, a quarter of young people now believe they are handling the stress well. Wow. Um, and, and, you know, when you look at it overall, there are a number of factors. First of all, anxiety levels overall have gone up, increased fourfold since the pandemic started. For young people, the ages of you know 18 to 24 are the years of onset of mental illness. Wow. So if you're in that demographic today and you're dealing with the social isolation and all the other impacts and fears of COVID, that's an added layer. You have all these young people who are separated from their social structures and all the skills you know that that you learn as a young person, perhaps going off to school, college, university for the first time, relationships, independent living, uh, managing, you know, situations, growing into an adult. You're not having those because you're at home on your computer doing the hard work of being in school without having any of the fun of being in school, yeah, right? Absolutely. Of being with yeah. friends and, and, you know, meeting new people and that sort of thing. So absolutely, it is it is discouraging. And, you know, already prior to the pandemic, 16% of university and college-age kids had seriously contemplated suicide. Wow. Now, that's a staggering number. Yeah. And, you know, as a, as a parent of a, of a university-age student, 
I mean, that deeply concerns me. And social isolation, this report also shows the fifth poll in this series, is now the single greatest stressor, the social isolation. So you mentioned technology and absolutely, you know, the, the tools that existed prior to COVID have now taken on a, you know, there's so much more ease of use, uh, so much more comfort, all, all of the different, you know, platforms that are available to people to connect virtually. And it for sure doesn't take the place of good old fashioned human contact, you know. I mean, the only people I've hugged in the last year are, are the two people I live with. And so there's a real lack of human contact and distance does not, you know, communication and seeing people that you are talking with certainly helps a lot, but it certainly doesn't take the place of it. But absolutely, I think we would be far worse off mm -hmm. in the pandemic right now if these, te these technologies were not available. And do you think there's any, there's been any, and, and I'll give you one of my own personal examples here, any new sort of applications or technology that people could could look at adopting? And this is, an, and Larissa knows the story here, and actually I mentioned it on last week's podcast as well, but at the beginning of the year, I did one of those January things, right? So I said, right, I'm going to go out running every night, drink lots of water, you know, the normal January thing you go through. And I, I was tracking all my steps. And, and and then my app suggested I should download this application called Calm, which is oh, a, yeah. a, a meditation uh, and uh, anti-anxiety app. So I downloaded this, and I've been using it daily since the turn of the year. And it's great just, you know, 20 minutes a day uh, just to do some meditation, to listen to some stories, it's a very calming it, – it, and then I did some research on it, and it's like on Apple's number one app from 2019. And, and actually, some of the, the people that are – the instructors on there are Canadian as well. Tamara Levitt is, is Canadian and, mm -hmm. um, and some of their people. So is there any examples? I mean, there are things that I think, for me, I've adopted to sort of help get through the isolation that, uh, that have been useful. Do, have you seen any examples of, of these kind of things and do you think they're worthwhile? Well, I'm familiar with uh, Calm and I think it's a great uh, application and have used it myself. It is a great example. There are many different ones in the market and many different kinds of applications like that. What I have really enjoyed is the group activities that are that are taking place on using social platforms and that have grown exponentially you know whereas they may have existed prior for you know certain things they're much more ubiquitous so those things are i think are all terrific because they they create you know that human contact and i also think there's been a really improvement and increase in what I call ICBT. Uh, so it's CBT, but it's, it's sort of internet provided with a, a, a tie to a counselor. So a lot right. of it is, is done online, but, it's, uh, but there's a, a significant component of oversight with a therapist or counselor. And it, you know, it's proving to be very effective. So these 
you know, where, whereas, for example, you may have had, you know, the mental health community thinking, oh, unless you're able to sit in the person's office for an hour a week and have talk therapy, nothing else will do. Well, there is lots of evidence that things like ICBT can be quite effective in, in helping people manage their symptoms of anxiety and depression. just change gears again and go back to the let's talk day how did it differ this this year in particular given all this the distancing and the isolation what what was the big significant differences from how it sort of came together this year you know for me early on in the pandemic what i noticed was the amount of creativity and ingenuity that people and organizations and companies were demonstrating in a situation of rapid change and requirement to to change and it was wonderful it was a, it's a wonderful testament to you know the flexibility the creativity the ingenuity of of the human mind and the human to adapt and with bell let's talk day we saw the same thing every year we hear about things that have taken place across the country around the world where people have on their own initiative done things that are surprising and delightful. What we found this year was absolutely the same thing happened. They were just done in different ways. And I think there was, you know, for, for any potential barriers, let's say for schools or universities to participate in the campaign, what barriers that would exist because of COVID, they made extra strides and efforts to overcome them because they realized that now more than ever, mm-hmm. that mental health mattered. Yes. And to yeah. find ways to bring it to life uh, was more important than ever. So that adaptability and creativity and ingenuity, and we saw all of that, whether it was through school programs, programs that were engaging with the military, programs that were you know, taking place in workplaces around the world and, and across the country. So different, but by design, you know, Bell Let's Talk Day as an uh, event to participate in on the day relied on technology, yes, right? In its inception, yes. um, I know having worked in charities for 25 years before coming to Bell, the impact that COVID has had on organizations who relied on face-to-face fundraising events, galas, runs, walks, that Mm. kind of thing. But the design of its uh, delivery lent itself very well well for these very challenging times. But as I say, I I don't want to underplay just how important the creativity and ingenuity were uh, people to find ways to engage, take action in their communities, their schools, their workplaces, even though it was all in a very different way. Can you give an example of that creativity? What was one of the things that really stood out for you where you thought, wow, they've really gone the mm-hmm. extra mile? So uh, so one of the things I really like 
is the way a group would deliver a message and share it with many, many, many people and get very many different voices. So even though everybody was separate, like before what you would have is a great group scene of people doing something all together at the same time, right? Yes. Jumping in the freezing ocean to raise money for mental health, right? They're yes. po the polar bear dips kind of, kind of situation. Yes. One year there was, there was a school who put together a video with different young people saying, let's talk in probably 30 different languages. Wow. One wow. after the other, after the other, after the other, after the other. That's nice. Yeah. Um, with their, you know, youthful faces and with the hope for the future, you know, you could see it in their faces and in their eyes. Just real creativity in bringing the initiative to life. No, that's that's really wonderful to hear. And it leads me on to uh, to, to one of my final questions. With, and, and, and I think you've got it there really, really well, Mary. When we talked before, Canada has led the way with this initiative and it's it's getting more and more global emphasis for sure. But I think the other point you raised there that was really interesting was the youth getting involved in this initiative now, right, and, and, and being a part in it. When I was say the age of my children and, and they did uh, a, a lot of things at school around this there was children in need day in england there was comedy relief there was sports relief there was these different initiatives for charities and you remember them you remember taking part and, and those initiatives stick with you for life right you, you but mm -hmm. i think for the children of canada to be so engaged in this initiative now that will remain with them that 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 notion that this is an important, more than important thing to be involved with will stick with them for, for their lifetime. Absolutely. And I remember, you know, when I was young, there were lots of campaigns at school, of course, but I remember the one about not smoking. All right. And it stuck with me, you know, my, yes. my whole life. What I have seen with young people's engagement with Bell Let's Talk Day is I believe that it is possible that our current generation of young people in Canada could actually be the generation that creates a stigma-free Canada yeah. because they are growing up with mental health being something they talk about, talking about feelings in school, talking about feelings among their friends, being aware of, and having friends with mental health issues and not having them be ostracized, not having people be classified by their illness. It's just part of who they are as a human. And that to me would be the most amazing legacy for, for Bell Let's Talk Day, for the next generation of leaders in our country to grow up being stigma free where um, there are no barriers um, to people getting the help they need. When I think about young people, and I think about how Bell Let's Talk Day has truly become a, a national day of conversation in Canada, for sure. Mm -hmm. Very much embedded into school programs uh, all across the country at all levels, from junior school. I've seen you know, teachers create age-appropriate content 
right up to universities and, and colleges. And so I do believe that will have an impact on, on future and creating a stigma-free Canada. What I am think about in a year from now is the lingering and lasting mental health impacts from COVID. COVID, yeah. I really strongly believe that it's the actions we take now as a, as a, as a society, as governments, corporations, individuals, families, schools, all of us, in ensuring that the adequate level of supports are available, not just for those who experience mental health issues pre-pandemic, yeah. but all of the people who are experiencing them and are living with them post-pandemic. Because if we do not, we will have a huge crisis on our hands. And mm -hmm. so, you know, my real call to action is you know, that we need to put in place the right services and programs with the right investments, because what we do now will have a direct impact on how well people come out of the, of the pandemic and their degree of mental health and then their ability to then go back and trend it, transition back to their, their lives to be fully functioning. So it'll be how well and how quickly we can adapt and recover from the pandemic. And I say that today, the pandemic is not over. There is time. And I think there's a real call to action to put in place all the investments and programs to ensure that people, um, you know, so that, that people are able to come through the pandemic healthy and, and able to go back to being full, happy and productive. What a pioneer Mary is. Taking this initiative that's not only personally paramount to her, but so crucial to society and chairing such an incredible campaign, not only in Canada, but across the world. She's used Bell and technology to deliver such amazing awareness and results. Mary is an inspiration to everybody and her endeavors will unquestionably go down in history. I feel so honored today to have chatted to Mary and to have her as a guest on The Great Indoors. So please visit our website, amdocs.com forward slash The Great Indoors, where we have a treasure trove of assets related to the series and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast provider. Also, feel free to leave us a rating, recommend us to your friends and family, or reach out to us on social media channels. I'm Matt Roberts for Amdocs in Toronto, and have a great day wherever you are. Thank <laughs> you.